in the 90s in Mexico didn't help. There was no information. They're still struggling. Mexico and Latin America, they're struggling a lot with autism information and resources. And back then it was even worse. So everything got, uh, it got an, a different name from what it really was. And there was not a, not a lot of resources available to be like, oh, this is not normal. Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. In this podcast, we want to highlight the real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but people like us talking about their day-to-day -day life. Basically, we want to give a voice to a variety of autistic people. I'm Aileen Lam, an autistic author and photographer, and I co-host this podcast with Andrew Camero. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Eileen. I'm Andrew Camero, autistic entrepreneur and software engineer. And today our guest is uh, Tania Garcia. I say that right? Tanya. Uh, Tanya. I don't know why I had like that in my head. I think, did Eileen, did you do that? <laughs> I think I just copied Eileen. Anyway, that, that's a mistake. Is an autistic adult diagnosed at 29. She found out about her own diagnosis when her daughter was diagnosed. She uses her story to help others and hopes to make a positive difference within the autism community. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I appreciate it. So have you listened to our podcast before? Yes, I have. Yay. Uh, we're getting more of that. That's awesome. Um, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. Anyway, we'd like to start off, as you know, uh, asking each guest how they prefer to be identified. It can be person with autism, autistic, on the spectrum, or you don't have a preference. Uh, I don't. Okay. There we go. Easy again. Uh, on. <laughs> I know. At this point. Uh, right. Uh, Tania, can you tell us a bit about your uh, autism diagnosis journey? Um, yeah, well, first, and I think the most important thing is that I never looked for it. Like, I never had the, the question or try to find a, a name for me being so weird. That was the preferred way to describe myself, that I was weird. Uh, I was uh, uh, very isolated. I had a hard childhood because I'm a picky eater. Um, I used orthopedic shoes because I was uh, I used to walk on my toes. Uh, doctors call it somewhere else, like something else, like some orthopedic issues that were not there. Now I understand why they were. Um, I didn't like school. I had I had like kind of school phobia at certain moments. Um, I don't I don't I eat. The same stuff where I can have my breakfast has been has been the same thing for months. I don't. It doesn't bother what me. What is all. it currently? Just just out of curiosity. Um, it's milkshake uh, with toasted bread with peanut butter and and, and traditional butter. Sounds like great. like a milkshake, milkshake, or like a protein breakfast. No shake? milkshake is banana. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, cocoa powder, protein, a little bit of protein, and um, a little bit of cinnamon. And that's that's pretty much my breakfast every single day. And if I modify it, it's like, oh, I need to go back to it. Like I need it. I I, I don't feel okay. It's 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 you know what it is. <laughs> you call it a frappuccino instead of a milkshake. It's like the same thing, but then you can get away with it. Everyone thinks right? it's normal, right? Um, I like to use like the same clothes. Like if I 
if I find a same as particular t-shirt or pants, I buy the same ones in different colors. I, I just feel very comfortable with that. Um, I look for comfort instead of fashion or something else. Um, my routine is very settled. I have a calendar. I have an agenda. I like to program myself and mentally be ready for stuff. But I, I was in on the idea that that was normal, that all people used to do that. So when I would mention it to some people, they would be like, ah, no, I don't need that. Ah, uh, no, I don't do that. I get bored if I eat the same stuff. So when I had my second child, uh, her name is Valeria. She's five years old at the moment. Um, she had a, a language regression. So that was a red flag for us to look for help. They call it speech delay. But I'm like, how can that be a delay? If she had language, how come she lost it? So when we got to the early intervention process, uh, we got to the autism route once the therapist saw that there wasn't a lot of progress. And we were referred to psychologists, a clinical psychologist um, that ended up being autistic himself. So he gave us her diagnosis. But when I got her diagnosis, I was so confused. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't, I don't know what to look for. I asked them, like, what can I do to not use the excuse that Valeria looks like me and acts like me? And she has a lot of behaviors that I used to have in order to prevent myself from seeing manifestations or symptoms that I have to be aware of. So when I mentioned that to him, he recommended an evaluation for me. He's like, I think you might be on the spectrum because obviously he did the, this whole background information and questions and and um, a lot of uh, things that we need to set as a background history for her. So when I heard that, I'm like, me on the spectrum? I, I don't know. He's like, yep, I think we should go that route. And that way you can help her a lot. And yeah, I got evaluated and I ended up having this autism diagnosis. And my life just made sense. Like it was a piece that I didn't know I needed it. Like I, I, I never thought it had a name and I'm glad it did because now everything has been way better since then. Everything has been way better. Uh, have anything not got better or has it all been positive since the diagnosis? Was there any struggles along the way after being diagnosed? It's been a struggle to digest all the information that I started getting because I started reading like crazy start reading a lot of content about autism because I, I knew that in order to help my daughter, I needed to educate myself. And in that process, I needed to kind of knew who I was from this other aspect coming from a diagnosis. So it's been hard to digest all that info and realize so many things that I was like, oh my God, that's, this is why I do this. This is why I cry. This is why I, sometimes I cry and I don't even know why. And sometimes I, I get overwhelmed or have now I know that they're called meltdowns. And before that, I would just to call them just, I was sentimental or I was mm -hmm. just tired of things. Um, but everything has been positive. I mean, I am currently married and my relationship was hard too. So thanks to the diagnosis, I was able to realize and make my husband understand or help him understand why I have certain behaviors. And it was easier for him to handle myself because it was hard. Um, I think my daughter is exposed to a lot of resources that I didn't have a chance to be exposed to. So I'm using myself pretty much as the reference to help her. And I think that's that's the most important thing at this point. 
do you think that uh so i know that hispanic children and probably adults are being diagnosed later in life do you think that that played a role in your late diagnosis yeah i mean my culture it's it's pretty rigid when it comes to raising kids um it it's it was more it was easier to call me a problematic child or she's just being selfish or she just wants things her way or she needs discipline or she needs um more i don't know i, I don't remember all the adjectives they used to call me but they were not nice i'm sure about that um i had an aunt that was ask my mom she would say like let me borrow it for a week and i'll make sure i'll fix her attitude i'm like i'm not why do you have to fix me why what's wrong with me so those things will, will make me feel super confused and will make me cry because i wouldn't be able to understand um when i used to cry because i didn't want to go to school uh they thought my dad was super like spoiled in that and he will do anything for me and i could i was taking advantage of that and it wasn't it wasn't the case so i think being born in the 90s in mexico didn't help there was no information they're still struggling mexico and latin america they're struggling a lot with autism information and resources and back then it was even worse so everything got um it got an, a different name from what it really was and there was not a not a lot of resources available to be like oh this is not normal they just thought it was me being a being i don't know i don't know being demanding attention i guess <laughs> but doing it the wrong way um then when i was nine my mom passes away like she passed away so then a lot of my behaviors they they kind of put in a box uh, and call it oh tanya is going through a hard time because her mom passed away but i think my autism just got worse and like because everything got moved all my routine all my structure just was totally destroyed and I didn't know where to start how to put it back together that makes total sense and you know being from Europe myself France um, I experienced a lot of the things you you talked about you know French people have that idea that just like good correction like I'm gonna spank you and it's gonna make you act all good all of a sudden you know they don't really believe in autism ADHD and all of that so I can uh, definitely relate to that. That's that's why I asked you. I think uh, there's definitely a, a culture element to uh, when a person is uh, is diagnosed with autism. Now your daughter, you said is five. So for her, I don't know. She was when was she diagnosed? Seems like it was caught earlier. But you're also in, you're you're in the U.S. now. So yeah, she was diagnosed in 2020. She was two, a little bit above two. Um, so we started the early intervention at one year and eight months, probably, or one year and a half, um, because we started noticing like she, she had a regression. Um, and I think in the United States, I mean, I've been blessed to have more resources and ways to get informed and, and kind of ask people and, and have more uh, information available to learn what autism is, the differences between my autism and her autism because obviously there's not a you're not gonna find two people with the same exact clinical um, manifestations for autism so i was blessed to have the opportunity to learn 
And since that moment, I just concentrated and focused. Autism became a profound interest in me, like a profound um, demand for my brain to, to get knowledge and to, I don't know if you become an expert, but at least be able to identify things that will be useful in, in our household. Um, so my daughter's right now receiving ABA therapy, music therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. She's going to gymnastics. She's doing swimming. Uh, I We have uh, an AAC device that she got probably like two months ago. We're learning how to use it. She's doing great with it. I use the visual schedules. I have fidgets. I have sensory toys. Uh, we have a huge teddy bear where she can, she has learned that she can crash on it whenever she has a meltdown because she doesn't like uh, us to be around. I have learned how to observe her behavior, distinguish what's pain, what's sadness, what's, what's just um, a little bit of request for timeout so she can regulate herself. Um, I've been learning so much in order to help her. She has done, she has have a, she's been having great progress and I'm very proud of that, that even whatever I went through, um, now it has a purpose. Now it has a, a different direction in which she's the one that is getting the most benefit of. Can you talk about some of the areas where it sounds like you can relate to your daughter? Can you also talk about some where maybe you can't? I cannot relate to the fact that she has speech delay. I didn't, I didn't get to, um, I didn't go through that. Um, obviously I don't relate to that help that she's getting because I didn't get any of that. But I can relate to the fact that she's, uh, she demands a lot of time by herself. She's very, mm. she's very uh, isolated at times. She doesn't eat a lot of stuff. One of our of our main of our main struggles is the fact that she's a picky eater, and that's like super difficult to overcome. And now I understand why my mom and my dad went through because I I still I'm 32 now and I still don't eat a lot of stuff. Um, I relate to the fact that she she knows that she can be her best companion, and I relate to that. Like I cannot I can be my myself. Like I don't have a problem with that um, and she's she can entertain herself she she but she's able to identify whenever she wants company and she's able to communicate it she's able to uh, hold my hand sit me right next to her and and just look at me and be like smiling like okay do you like this you, you want some time with with mommy or with sister or whatever um, but I totally relate to the fact that she is, um, she likes to, she has like a certain space at home where she likes to kind of her privacy square, that's how we call it. And I used to have that, like I, I used to demand that. I had my own pillow. Um, if that pillow wasn't there, it will be, it, it was kind of chaotic until we found it. She has her own pillow, she has her own things. She has her own things in, a, in certain containers. And my, I have my own things in certain containers. Um, I, I, I see myself in a lot, uh, in her it, and that's what got my attention. And that's why we kind of ignore or didn't pay as much attention as maybe we should have had because I was always telling myself, oh, it's because she's like me. Oh, it's because she acts like me. Oh my God. I, I understand her. Like, I don't like people. I don't like to be around people. I don't like noises. I don't like firecrackers. I don't like um, heavy smells like I don't I don't I cannot go to the stores and I go to the stores when it when they barely open or they're about to close or 
things like that. And, and we're similar in, in a lot of stuff, but we also have our differences. Oh my God, I can relate to that so much. You know, uh, I mean, I know you're on social media too, and there's that kind of like inside joke between moms that like they go to Target to to relax. And I'm just like, why would you go to a grocery store to like, yeah. it sounds like hell. Like I do it with my, uh, my younger son. I don't get it. He loves it, I don't but get it. yeah, it's like not relatable at all to me. No, I'm not going to go to Target uh, to relax and have some fun, but okay, you do you. Um, so yeah, I totally get that. My son is a lot more severe than me. And I get asked that question a lot. Like, can you relate to your son better because you're on a spectrum yourself? But like, I mean, he's like completely like nonverbal. He has like behaviors that I've never had. So like, yeah, on a couple of things, like, like you said, the fact that we don't like being around people that much, like, yeah, that I relate to, but for like the most important things, like, you know, the communication aspect and, you know, for instance, my son has no sense of danger and, you know, I might do some stupid things like put a sewing box in the washing machine, but I know that running in front of a car cars is dangerous you know yeah. so it doesn't affect us in the same way but i did relate to exactly the same thing i could relate to with my son the same so i thought that was pretty interesting i wanted to talk to you about social media because another thing i can relate to is the social media aspect and i see you're on social media now and i know that uh you know you've been uh, sharing your your, your story and how did you did you get there? Like, what made you decide, okay, I'm going to go on social media and share my story? When I started reading about autism, uh, I read most of my books are in English. So I think that English market can be, like, at a certain point covered already by a lot of voices like yours. Because <clears throat> um, you guys you guys do a great job. I, I, I really, really like what you guys do. Um but when I found, I mean, I got a lot of resources in English and I'm like, okay, wait a minute, where's the Spanish? I mean, here in the, in the States, where's the Spanish community talking about autism? I, I, I don't know if there's more resources now than back in 2020, but at that point, I couldn't find much. And the ones that I was finding, they were um, giving me like the same script for it. And I'm like, uh-uh, I don't think these people are, they're just following one book or one one source. Like, I don't know, I was it wasn't clicking for me it wasn't making a lot of sense so um i'm bilingual i mean my first my first my first um language is spanish and i got very concerned i'm like these people these families are having visits from therapists maybe once a week maybe twice a month i don't know but at least once a week and they're only relying on the information those therapists are providing i'm not saying it's wrong but i think they should be exposed to more options and, and make more informed decisions. A therapist might be telling them like, oh, your kid is not going to be able to talk, but we're going to do so and so. And maybe we rephrase that. We're going to move slow, but we might be able to accomplish. I mean, for a kid to request milk, it's a great accomplishment. And if, if, if you don't focus on that, at least try, I think um, you're missing an opportunity. And I obviously understand there's, there's um, there's kiddos with severe autism in my in level two, level one. There's a lot of differences, um, but I can only speak for my experience so far. I I felt that there was a lot of need to communicate autism in Spanish, 
And I've been find, finding like other resources from Latin America, other associations that are doing certain people that are doing their their um, their mission about around autism. And I and I'm happy to see that. But I think I I had to do something. I, I couldn't be left as a lost statistic. I felt a lot of desperation for it. And but I didn't know how to even sit myself in front of a camera and talk because looking at a camera lens is easy. I mean, human eyes are the ones that give me a lot of trouble because you guys, just, everyone's eyes communicate a lot. And I don't think I can process that when I look at people on the eyes. So I'm like, okay, a lens is not giving me anything. <laughs> so I, I think I can do that, but I needed to learn how. So I got enrolled into several public speaking workshops and whatever um, Instagram creators, the creators page was sharing. I, I looked it up. I read about reels. I read about lives. I read about uh, posting stuff and, and creating this uh, this community, I, I think I should call it. And I started like sitting myself in front of the camera and start playing with music and started relating certain ly lyrics to my feelings and my experiences. And little by little, it's been growing. I think people are making a connection with my content, but I wanted to focus on the Hispanic community. So that's why I, I'm most, I mean, all of my content is, is in Spanish so far. And and I'm very proud of that. I think people wanted to hear autism uh, as an adult, but with simple terminology. I know everyone and is an expert about autism, but I think people still missing that. That um, I, I don't know how to call it, but just a simple way to say things. There's, not, there's almost... You know, there's just too much information out there and it's so overwhelming. It's so, I mean, it completely agree. You know, there's just there, there, there's too much information. It needs to be simplified, you know, narrowed down, cure, curated. So it, with that said, you know, from either therapists, doctors or online, because there's so much information, how did you know? Because there's not just good information. There's also bad information. There's some of the Hispanic information that wasn't helpful, but it wasn't harmful either, right? It was just exactly. like generic. But then did you run across hurtful information? Um, how did you identify that? And same, like what, what had you identify the most helpful information and, and what was that? I think the most helpful information has been the more, like the simplest thing ever. I'll, I'll just give you an example. One day I just posted a story because I use my socks inside out. And I even talked to Jim about this when I met him. Um, I wear my socks inside out because of the, what is it called? Those things, that line in the front, I cannot remember the name of it. I didn't even know there was a name for that. So <laughs> I don't, Okay, but you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That line in the front, in, in, in the socks, it's very uncomfortable. It makes my life miserable if I wear them the right way. So I wear them inside out. And it's very comfortable and that that's how I can function. So I posted one day that a happy life could be accomplished with a simple action as wearing your socks inside out. So I got a lot of messages like, why do you do that? And I'm like, because it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. It's it's annoying. It, it, no, I, I cannot focus because I'm just thinking about that sensation that I have in my, in my feet. So I got a lot of messages after that. It was a lot of engagement and a lot of moms saying, oh, Maybe that's why my son cries in the mornings and he doesn't want to wear those socks. And I have to wear and I have to 
put him in, like, force them, or I have to go through this whole crying episode and then finally get him to wear them. And, or maybe just wear some sandals, but they're not allowed to go in sandals in the, at the school. Or they, they share so many episodes or so many situations regarding socks. I'm like, what if you just do the change? Try it out. A few days later, I get more messages saying, you know what, that was a problem. He's not complaining anymore. He's just, he, he doesn't care anymore about his socks or she doesn't care about her socks. And I was like, okay, this is worth it. I, I think I'm on the right path here. It's a, it's, it was just a small little thing that helped a lot of people. And I was, I was really proud of it, but it's, it was something for me very simple and for neurotypical people, super simple. They're not even aware of whatever structure a sock has but it made a big difference in the community. And I was like, okay, uh, let's, let's keep it in this route. Something simple can make a big difference. I, I know you went from uh, like zero followers to like 80,000 overnight or something crazy like that. And that happened after you did an interview with uh, a journalist. Can you tell us about that? I don't know. The exact <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Instagram, I was doing it daily. And I, didn't, I think I did it like for a whole year, just daily, daily. Every single day, I wouldn't miss anything. And I went from probably 150 followers to 70,000 in a whole year. Uh, but then I guess I was exposed in a um, higher level than what I thought that I get in contact with. Uh, it's a YouTube, a Mexican YouTube personality in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he dedicates uh, to communication, uh, doing interviews with important people like um, owners of TV stations and politicians and entrepreneurs and this type of personalities that can give something back to the community. That's his mission pretty much. So his wife started following me, but I wasn't aware of that because there, there was days that I will get like 500 followers. So I wouldn't keep up with the notifications. Um, so I get a message from her and she's like, you know what? I will really love uh, my husband to interview you. No, he called him, she called him Nayo because that's pretty much his nickname. She's like, I would love Nayo to interview you. And I'm like, who is she? I'm like, I know who she's talking about, but who is she? So I went through her profile and I found out she was a wife and I'm like, holy cow, who am I talking to? And um, Nayo, this YouTube personality, he has more than half a million followers in YouTube and more than 3 million in Facebook and I think close to 1 million in Instagram. So I was like, oh, wow, okay. Okay, I was like, let's see. So I kept talking to her and she's like, you know what? I found your reel about autism and I look up your profile and it's fascinating what you're doing with a diagnosis. And I think it can make a huge impact in other people's lives. And I'm like, well, that's why I'm here. That's my... My main goal when it comes to autism awareness and spreading information about it and trying to make a social change, better said, a positive social change. That's what I want to accomplish. So I kept talking to her and she's like, can we, can we arrange a, an interview if you ever come to Mexico? And I'm like, well, I don't travel that often, but if you give me a date, I can schedule uh, all my, whatever I need to do in order to go 
to, to Mexico. And we did. Um, I got that interview done back in March, and it got published a month ago. And it's the last time I checked, it was 600,000, no, 600, 630,000 views. Um, and I've been getting, I got like 5,000 followers like within two weeks after that interview. And I, I got, um, I've been getting messages from a couple of universities in Mexico asking me uh, to go for, for a conference. Uh, and then um, I've been getting like Zoom meetings with parents from associations in, I did one last week from an association from uh, Panama. Yeah, it was Panama. And before that, I've been collaborating with associations in Argentina and Chile and Colombia and other countries and it's been fascinating I'm being, I I it's been a great response after that interview but my work has been I've been working on it since 20 the, the end of 2020 so it's it's very fascinating and, and I'm very grateful for it. Um, other people helping me to expose my testimony and, and trying to help others with my story just like you guys I mean I appreciate the opportunity it's been great incredible are you getting any negative feedback oh yeah and what do you do when i hit when i hit um 10,000 followers it was insane that's when i met hate like i didn't know there was such a thing in, in social media i heard of it but i never thought i was gonna experience it and i started receiving messages like oh you cannot be autistic you're functional, you're normal, you're taking advantage of it, you want to make money out of it. I'm like, okay. Um, you are trying to take advantage of people's feelings and, and, and hurt them because autism is not what you uh, say it is. And I'm like, well, I'm talking about my autism. I, I cannot talk about severe autism because I don't have it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't share with it. I don't, I don't have it at home. I don't have anyone uh, close to me that it's on the, um, severe uh, severe diagnosis or um, my daughter is a level two. So that's what I can expose. It, it, will be, it will be wrong for me to pretend that I know something that I don't live every day. I think that'll be very hypocritical. So I'm exposing what I was told and after getting a diagnosis, believe me, I went to get a confirmation because I, I was like, how, how did I miss it? How come I mask so much and so well that I wasn't aware that all this had a name? It was because of a diagnosis instead of just being my normal self and, and being weird and being antisocial because that was another word, antisocial. I'm like, no, I'm not that. Like, I got rid of so many tags when I got the diagnosis um, because all of them had an explanation and they didn't have anything with a negative aspect or they made me feel like I was a bad person because of my honesty. Like, I'm very honest. I if I tell you, like, oh, I don't want to be here, it means I don't want to be here. They're like, oh, you have to be more softer about it. Just tell me something else. I'm like, I don't know. I, I just don't want to be here. I'm out. Uh, bye. I'll see you guys. Um, and then I hurt people's feelings, and this whole thing comes. And, and they used to make me feel so bad. Um, but now I know that I'm not, and I know that I that I can do much to help others and that I've been trying my, so much to share my story Uh but just sharing what I have, and not all people agree to it, and that's okay. But I I get way more uh, positive feedback, so I, I lean into that. Like I, 
I focus on that one. I, I don't know. Focus on the negative. But it was a tough, a, yeah, tough time in my life when I figured out that hate can hurt you really bad. Yeah, and honestly, you you get used to it. I can tell you after a while, like you get the hate, and it doesn't affect you the same because you've heard those things like hundreds of times, and you know that you know that's not you, and it gets easier. My son is in ABA, Charlie, and it's been so amazing for us. And one of the things I get a lot of hate for on social media is ABA. So what do you think about ABA? Do you get hate on the topic of ABA? Like, tell me everything about ABA. (laughs) Yeah, I get a lot of hate about ABA. Um, I think it's been a lifesaver. I think it has been a great experience and a great experience for my daughter. And I only say this because I'm very involved. So people tell me, oh, a lot of negative things about ABA. I'm like, well, first, um, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> first, have you been on ABA? They're like, no. I'm like, then why? why what do you know about ABA? Um, but my daughter has been um, getting a lot of positive things out of ABA. It's been a huge uh, change from the time we started until this point. Um, she gets, I mentioned all the therapists uh, along with ABA, and it's 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 great. It's great when you find the people that, that do it right, that are have a structure, have a, a settled company, uh, and people work with uh, principles and values and, and are focusing on our kiddos to help them thrive and, and, and develop and accomplish skills and, and uh, other capabilities that, that they need to, in order to to accomplish um, more autonomy or whatever goals they set, uh, they settle with with the parents. It's it's been great. I love it. I mean, I understand that people don't agree to you, but the only example I can give is how did psychiatry started? They starting like like giving the um, shocks to people's brain in order to cure some disease and it has evolved. It's nothing like that. All sciences have made a change. And if ABA didn't start with the right food, um, they have gotten way better. And I studied that as well when I started doing this whole uh, readings about autism. And the BCBAs are great companions in this journey. They make sure that we get all the plans, that we get all the goals, that whenever she masters a goal, we jump into the other one, but with our opinion in the middle. Okay, we're trying to accomplish this. What do you think? What are the struggles that you're having at home? What are the behaviors that you're having at home that we can help you with? Um, I do parenting trainings every two weeks. Um, there are requirements for insurance, buying the insurance, but I love doing them. Even if they were not a requirement, I will ask for them. I need to know what they're doing with my daughter. I need to know that, that we are working on the same page, that whatever they're doing, I can complement it, that whatever I need, they can help me as well. So it's been a, a whole teamwork involved, and they've been doing only positive things for my daughter. So I cannot complain about ABA. I respect whatever other people think, but I just don't allow it to modify what I'm doing because I know that she's doing good. I know that she, I drop her off every day, and she doesn't even say bye. She just walks in. Like, she doesn't care about me. Same. And she loves her therapist. And he, she loves 
um, she prefers one therapy than the other one, but she doesn't care if the other one is not available. And she's like, okay, fine, I'll go with this one. I don't care. They send me videos sometimes throughout the day. Oh, she was able, I got a video yesterday from her, her speech therapist, well, from her BCBA, but it was during her speech therapist session where she was able to give us that S sound. She wasn't able to, she was struggling a lot with the S sound. So she was able to give us a stop. So I was happy about it. It, was, it, it just made my day. Uh, those are little things for other people, but for us are huge accomplishments. And those are the milestones that we're working on. And she's been progressing a lot. And I'm not, I, 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 I'm just thankful for ABA. That's that's incredible. Yeah, I'm so thankful for ABA too. Honestly, I always say I don't know where my son would be if it wasn't for ABA. Like they taught him to use uh, an app on his iPad to communicate. They taught him how to like brush his teeth, uh, get dressed. And, you know, people are always like, well, anybody could have done that. Why don't you do it yourself? And they don't realize that it takes like so many hours, you know, like it hell years it took years yep. for him to like learn to dress himself and it's not just as simple as showing him how to put his pants on and then he knows how to do it you know you need that repetition and aba has been so incredible for us and i'm so glad that you've had a good experience too because you know a lot of people are afraid to tell their stories positive stories of aba because of the hate you know and then, so then you end up only hearing the negative about aba because people are too afraid to get attacked for liking ABA. Yes. So it's so important that your voice and my voice and all the positive stories are heard too. So I I appreciate you uh, sharing your story. I mean, like I, I always said, say that in my lives, whenever I, I get into lives with, with my audience, I'm like, I can only speak for myself. I will never make generalizations. I will never say everybody likes this. Nobody likes that. I will, I will try my best to avoid that because um, that's when you invade some other people's freedom or, or decision-making process or whatever problem-solving strategies that they want to use. Um, but I, I really like to put autism how it is, at least how I see it. It's frustrating. It's exhausting. It's a lot of repetition. You get tired of it. There's days that you really don't want to see your child. Like, come on, dude, can you sleep two more hours to whatever you your schedule's already settled? Because I'm done. I'm drained. I'm tired. It's been hard. Um, you have a lot of great days because of therapy and all these strategies and all the, the, the progress they make, but there's days where you cannot stand it anymore. And the only thing that you have to do is uh, let it settle, accept the fact that you don't feel good, let it run through your body, let, uh, like address all the emotions that you're feeling, call them however they're called, if they're sadness, fear, feel like crying, and you just wanna start solving and, and, and give yourself five minutes to Cry it out, cry it out, and then just try again. You just need to get up and try again. And this is a constant up and down, up and down, up and down. But it's worth it. When you see the, the progress in your kiddo, it's freaking worth it. I love it. And it's like, okay, I've been crying and I've been frustrated and I and I get mad at myself because maybe I'm not helping you enough and maybe I could do, I could do more. But when that kiddo gives me a new letter sound or, or is able to communicate on the AAC device, like, oh, I don't want milk. I want to go to sleep, or I want minis, or I want water, or just me, water. It's like, come on, it's worth it. Just don't give up, because us as parents are the only 
people that are going to fight for them and advocate for them. Nobody else is going to do it the way we can do it. And I, I understand what, what people can think. But for us, it's been a great experience. Uh, complicated. I'm not going to deny it. But it's, it's what parents have to do. This is what we have to do. And we cannot escape from it. And kiddos deserve to have a good life because they have human rights and they have universal rights. And not because my kiddo comes accompanied with uh, with a diagnosis means that he or she is less. No, she, just, she or he just needs a different structure. And we're going to set all that for them. Exactly. It's exactly it. People, autistic people deserve the same chance at being able to do things that people take for granted. And ABA is giving them that chance. It's like the perfect way to summarize it. Okay, I want to ask you uh, to tell us a little bit about uh, that commercial you did for Autism Speaks. I guess technically it's a PSA because you had no acting experience and we were looking for autistic people to be featured in this PSA to show the importance of including autistic people in, uh, you know, employment, you know, for autistic people to get a chance to get a job. And you nailed it. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Um, it was great, but I got scared when Jim sent me an email and he's like, uh, we want to do this PSA about autism and employment and opportunities and hiring process and this whole campaign. I don't know if I can call it a campaign, but um, the whole PSA, I'm like, why me? They're like, oh, we're looking. And he was like, we're looking for autistic, um, uh, autistic people to participate. That immediately clicked. I'm like, because I know all the hate that Autism Speaks gets too. I'm like, they making honor on their mission. They're honoring their mission. They could hire neurotypical models to stand in front of a camera, pretend to be doing whatever you guys were doing, because I didn't know, I had no clue what was that about. <laughs> but they're considering autistic people on the spectrum to participate, to make it real to be like this is what we look like this is what we can do and this is what we can project to other people and i was like i'm in he's like are you sure i'm like yeah i don't know what i'm doing but if you give me specific instructions i'll follow him like i i just i'll just do whatever you guys ask me to do he's like he called me on monday i guess and i and i fly on yeah i fly on thursday he's like can you do it i'm like yeah thank god i was in a vacation from school I had a, a, a break I was like everything got accommodated to me traveling and then I was like okay this is unpredictable but it makes sense it has a purpose so I think I can adjust it and everything worked out so I got to Denver because um, like I said I, I live in Phoenix Arizona I got to Denver on Friday that Friday and no on Thursday night then on Friday we got to the, to the recording or filming place I don't even know how to call it, you see? Um, and they did my makeup, they did my hair, they asked me like, how do you, how, how do, you do with textures? How do you do with fabrics? We got these clothes uh, that you're gonna wear. Um, tell me if you feel comfortable with them. Uh, we're gonna do so-and-so thing. This is, a, they sent me the whole schedule. So I read the schedule. Um, you, you don't need to talk, you just need to wear clothes and simulate certain jobs i'm like okay i can do that um they were uh always like oh do you want to eat 
uh, whenever you don't feel comfortable, just let us know. You can take a break. Da, da, da. So they were so understanding and super kind. And most of them, um, well, all of them were uh, curious, like, what do you do? Talking to me about my story and, and talking to Jem on, on our way to the filming place. And they were just super kind and lovely and, and, and full of good vibes. Like, you could tell the environment was so light and nobody was worried that I knew of. But it's hard for me to read people, so <laughs> maybe I didn't notice if they were stressed or something. But they treated me super well that I feel super comfortable. So when I get, when people get me to feel comfortable, I can actually, like, I can, the flow can be better on my end. So I think because I felt comfortable, I didn't have a problem. I was just following their directions and I had fun and everybody um, was having fun from what I could tell. And I loved it. I think it was a great opportunity for me to experience that which I never done before, but also gave me the opportunity to get in a closer contact with Autism Speaks uh, from Jim's perspective. And I had contact with him back in 2020, so we kind of catch up during that time. And then he talked about you so much and he wanted me to get in contact with you and, and get us together, which I'm glad. Um, but it was a great experience. I, I never thought um, that they will treat me with so much compassion and, and, and taking care of me along with um, the other person that was participating in the in the PSA. And I loved it. I, I, I loved it and I actually am gonna do, they proposed me, I'm not sure yet, but they proposed me to do the voice off in Spanish for it. So I'm excited about that. That's amazing. That's such a great idea. Yeah, we, we've been really trying to do more for the Spanish Hispanic community. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you, you're great. And I'm so happy you're, you know, involved with us. And uh, the PSA looks amazing. I can tell you that. Uh, Thank you. Can you tell people where to find you on social media? I know we've talked about it, but like tell them your um, your handle and all of that. Uh, well, I'm pretty much everywhere except Twitter. Twitter, I don't like Twitter, <laughs> but um, Instagram, threads, TikTok, Facebook. Um, my username is 07 Tanya Garcia. Uh, Tanya with I, not Y, not O. They can write my name in so many ways, but it's T A N I A. It's Latin. Um, Garcia is my last name. And I mean, if you are in the Hispanic community or not, sometimes I do things bilingual. And sometimes, I, but I stick most to the Spanish aspect of, of my account. I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. What's your favorite animal? I don't like animals. <laughs> okay, that's that's a fine answer. Listen, not what <laughs> I expected, but I'll take it. Who's your favorite singer then? Uh I would say Garth Brooks. I'm a country fan. I love country music. Favorite food? You cannot hit on it. Asian food. Favorite color? Purple. I love purple. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tanya, and sharing your, your experiences. I know experience and experiences. I know it's going to help a lot of people. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, 
we're gonna encourage people to uh, to follow your social media so uh, they can get uh, access to your content in Spanish, which is very very important. So thank you. Thank you. No, thank, thank you. you so much. I, I appreciate the opportunity, um, the space you have opened for for my story, the story to be shared. Thank, thank you. you. You too.